Well, most of you know, I have a, a four-year-old daughter named Ava going on 13. Um, and she, she comes to me, uh, this is a little bit ago, and she comes to me and she says, okay, Dad, um, I've thought long and hard about this. I've sought counsel of some of my friends at school, some of the friends at church. Um, I've read some really good books. I've searched Google. And, and basically what's happened is I've come to this, this, this request. I have a request to ask of you. And, and there's three options in this request. And I don't really care which one you pick. There's one I would prefer more than the other. But, but I want to lay these three options out. And would you just please tell me which one you prefer? And I, of course, being a somewhat okay dad, say, okay, let me hear this, you know. And she's like, okay, the first one is, is I've been watching you now for a long time. We just went on vacation together. And I, I saw you drive a lot. And, and like I said, I've been reading and I've sought counsel. And it makes sense because everyone is, has pointed out that I am capable of driving. And so I would like to, when we go for our errands today, I would like to drive. I'm like, okay, well, what's option number two? And she's like, okay, well, if you don't want me to drive, and I understand that's fine, but maybe I could sit next to you and just, like, help shift and, you know, kind of tell you what to do, like, like a backseat driver, like mom does all the time. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. That wasn't in there. Um, and so, and she, and so then she's have to say, okay, well, what's the other option? She's like, well, you know, I'm a big kid. You tell me I'm a big girl all the time. And so, so now, um, I think if you're not going to do that one, you're not going to do the other one, then, then I would just like to sit in the seat in the back without my car seat. And those are my three options. Now, as a good dad, had she actually had this conversation with me, my, she's smart, but not that smart. Come on, guys. Um, can't believe you fell for that. No, I'm just kidding. She, had she actually come to this, a, a loving father would say, are you kidding me? Those are all horrible decisions, Ava. Those are a bad idea. I don't care how much, how much you've read. I don't care how much you've studied. I don't care how many people you sought to find that, that, would, that would line up with you. This does not make sense. Those are three bad options. I choose none. And as, as, I, as I think about that, and I know that God ties himself to us as a father over and over and over again. And so the best example I have is, is my father or me to my kids or, or seeing fathers around. But I know that no matter what, all of the earthly dads are, are nothing like our heavenly father. Our Heavenly Father loves perfectly. And so when we come to a subject today, like, like the subject that we're in, which is prayer, um, I, I kind of find myself thinking, how many of us continue to pray with three bad options? We keep coming to God with these three. God, if you would just do one of these three things, I would do X. It's like we barter with God. And as I realized as I studied prayer, there's a lot of questions around it. Like, have you ever asked the question, like, I don't feel adequate enough to pray? Does God, does God really hear me? Pastor Steve Brown, he's a radio pastor, he has a saying where he says, non-Christians don't pray because they're afraid God is there. Christians don't pray because they're afraid God won't answer and it might rock their faith. I'm paraphrasing that. Essentially the idea that, that you and I struggle with prayer. Right? We have a hard time with prayer because what if he doesn't answer? Does he hear us? Am I saying it right? He already knows my heart. Does it even matter that I pray? Do I really have to ask someone else to pray for me? I mean, I have two promises for you in the text today regarding prayer. First is that some of these questions, I believe, um, by the Spirit's work will be answered. But my other promise for you is as big of a subject as prayer is that you will have more questions when you leave than the ones that were answered today. See, as I study in this, I realize that maybe I just don't know how to pray. Because I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for a marriage to be reconciled and it wasn't reconciled. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for someone to be healed in Jesus' name and he wasn't healed. 
How many times, time and time again, where I've prayed for things that I thought were really good things and they weren't answered? And it's that question alone that makes us squirm in our seat because we mix that with truths that God's a sovereign God and he's, he's all-powerful and all-knowing. And, and we think, man, this is, this is something that is valuable. We know that he wants to see um, injustice done right. And so when I pray for Annabelle to, to be freed from the trafficking and she doesn't stay out, she goes back in. Am I praying wrong? If we were honest, how many of you have asked that question, am I praying wrong? Some of you just don't pray because you're afraid you'll pray wrong. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to look at what John says today about prayer. But before we do, I want to pray for us uh, one more time. God, thank you for today. Thank you for um, your word that um, both enlightens and confuses us, God. Thank you for your spirit that lives inside of those that surrender to you. God, your spirit that, that points us to truth, that, that shows us how to live and shows us how to act. God, as we, as we look at prayer today, God, I know there are numbers of people in the room, no matter where they sit, they either believe or they don't or they feel like they're hanging on a thread in their belief in you, or they're carrying their parents' faith, and they don't really have their own. God, I just pray, I pray, I pray in this, in this day, would you just break in? Would you allow me to get out of the way, and would your word speak in a mighty way to the hearts of every single person here for your glory alone? It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So 1 John 5, uh, 13 through 15. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. If not, the ushers will pull one up. You can grab one of those. Um, your, your handout says 15 through 17, or 13 through 17. Originally, it, it all ties together and it makes sense, but as I was looking at it, I realized it was going to be an hour and a half sermon with all the stuff I was trying to cover, so I pushed 16 to 17 next week, so don't show up next week. It'll be an hour and a half then. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so 13 to 15. Um, verse five, or chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. We're just nearing the end. John has been kind of rapid-firing all of what he's taught throughout the rest of the text. Two weeks ago, Mike taught a, a great sermon on anger last week, um, but two weeks ago, Dusty was here, one of my friends at Pastor's Sojourn, and he taught out of the text before this. And the whole point of that text was, who is Jesus Christ? It's kind of the premise of what John's been talking about the whole time. Like, if we understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is, then that will dynamically and drastically change every other thing in our life. And he was kind of combating the Gnostic belief that, that Jesus wasn't really, truly all of the things that the Word says and that God says and that he said about himself. And so last week, John's saying, look, he is who he says. He is the Son of God. He's the power. He's the blood. He's the water. He is all of those things. And then he transitions right here into this. And at first, it almost seems like he's changing subjects, but he's not. He's actually, he's coming into saying, now, now look, because of this, because of who Jesus is, now look at the promise he gives us. He says, I write these things, in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So he says, I wrote these things, these things ahead of time, who Jesus was. I write them so you know you can have eternal life. And then in verse 14, and, and, this is the confidence that we have toward him. So because of eternal life, we now have a confidence towards him. And what is that confidence? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we asked, that we have asked of him. And that text just frustrates me because it's like, I, I asked and I didn't receive. I asked and, and, and I don't know why he didn't answer. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look real quickly at, at some of the, the, there's five things I think that this, this text is saying, and then we're going to kind of see um, a little bit more, and hopefully we'll unpack it a little bit. 
um, with our time here. There are five things. The first one is that we should have confidence when we approach God in prayer. Seems simple enough, but he says that we should have confidence when we approach God in prayer. And, and again, it seems simple, but I want to say it one more time. If you are in Christ, you should have confidence when you approach God in prayer. And that may be very different because a lot of us don't pray with confidence. Okay, and, the, and our confidence is never in ourselves. And this is the key. This is the point. Everything he said before in 6 through 12, our confidence isn't in us or anything I did. Our confidence is in Christ and what he has done alone. In fact, um, after reminding us of our sympathetic high priest, the author of Hebrews says in 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Ephesians 3.12 says, In Christ, in him, in Christ only, we have boldness and access with what? There's that word, confidence, through our faith in him. So our confidence isn't in us or what we've done. Our confidence is in him. Only Jesus Christ, whose blood gives us access to the very throne of God, is where our confidence rests. So I, I want to say this. If you, if you do not have eternal life, if you have not surrendered, if you would not say you're a disciple of Jesus, the promise of him hearing us, now hearing, I'll get there in a second. You got to stay with me. Does not apply. He will hear. He hears everything. But this promise is for those that are in Christ. This promise is that we can have confidence in prayer because of what Christ has done and not what I've done. It's confidence in him. But here's the other side of that. If you are a disciple of Jesus, then you can and should be approaching God with confidence, praying with confidence. Second thing is we must come into his presence when we pray. That seems simple and, and kind of pointless, but, but literally the idea of prayer is that we step in humbly to his presence. We step in and say, we, we say, God, I need you. And so I'm going to step in here. It, it, it's, it's the picture of, of saying, I don't really know what I'm doing. So therefore, I'm going to humble myself in your presence and lean into your wisdom. It's asking for help. Third thing is we must, after we come confidently into his presence, we actually have to ask. That seems really silly because a lot of us are like, well, doesn't God know our thoughts? He knows our hearts? Well, yes. But there's an aspect of asking that truly humbles yourself. If you think about it, a lot of us don't like to ask for help. We just kind of like to show how tired we are and hope someone goes, oh, you need help? But when you come to his presence in confidence, you have to ask. You can't just assume. And the fourth thing is that he says, he hears us hears us. That's a promise of this text. Now again, this word here, I want you to hear this real quickly. This word here isn't meaning that he just hears us and hears a voice. It means that he favorably listens to us. And that's the promise for those who are in Christ. He favorably listens to you. This is, I was trying to figure out how to, to relate this. And if you've ever been um, asleep and you have kids that were really young, you slept, you know, you're sleeping, your spouse is next to you, my Jen's sitting next to me, and, and the kid cries, and you kind of um, roll over and pretend like you're still asleep, hoping that she gets up to get the kid. No, wait, that's a bad, okay, bad story. Sorry, no, okay, let's just do a different, wait, you guys have done that, come on, I'm not the only one that's done that, really? All right, well, pray for me, okay? The point is, okay, let, better story. If you've ever been in a public setting and a kid starts crying, it's, it's, almost, it's almost crazy. Now, some kids have similar cries, but it's almost crazy how you can instantly go, that's my kid. 
And moms are really good at this. It's like their ears are tuned to that frequency that dads like to tune out a lot, right? And, they, and, they, and they're tuned to it, and they hear this, and they instantly jump up and they run because they know it's their kid. And the other mom's around going, I hope it wasn't my kid that made her cry, you know, like whatever. They're, but the point is, is that God hears the cry of his children. See, God knows your voice. He gave you it. He knows your heart. He gave you it. See, God breathed life into your heart. If you're a disciple of him, you have, you have his spirit inside of you. So God hears you. He knows your cry. And then the fifth thing in this is since he hears us and that we know that we, what we've asked from him, we will get. And that's the end of it, guys. There you go. If you, if you know God hears you and you ask, you get it. Now let's go home and start asking. Let's win. But it doesn't ever work that way, does it? How many of you, if time and time again you've asked and you haven't received? See, there's a qualifier. John says a qualifier in here that is so big, and it's what gets you and I in trouble when it comes to prayer. And it's not just here. Jesus says the same qualifier. We see it in other parts of the Gospel of John. Like this qualifier is very simple, but incredibly difficult. Right, his qualifier is you ask according to his will, not ours. It's like a little asterisk. Like, I didn't see the fine print there. Great. You know, like, this isn't working. It's, it's his will, not ours. And see, this is, this is, this is going to bring an issue to the root of every single one of us. It comes back to the fact, do we see God as our Savior and not our Lord? Do we see Christ as our Savior but not our Lord? And the reason why I say is because if he's our Savior, we ask and we want. We want, we want, we want. Save me, save me, save me. But if he's our Lord, it's God. It's, it's your will. It's your will. And the thing is, is he's not one or the other. He is both. And he needs to be both to us. See, it's difficult to pray according to his will. Isaiah 55 says, his ways are not our ways. So, so, so how in the world are we going to pray according to his will when his ways aren't our ways? When most of the time I pray, it's like Mike was talking about last week, the reason why we're angry is because that which we love most is attacked. We love ourselves most. We are so selfish. I am so selfish. And we love so much of ourselves that we get in the way, and it's no longer, God, your will be done. It's what can Bren's will be? And, and we won't all out say, God, I don't like your will. I just want this if we say we're followers of Jesus, right? We'll do it differently. We'll We'll barter. <laughs> God, if you could just do this, I will. We play the games like, look at what I've done already. Now will you? Like he's, he's, <laughs> like he's someone we can just play with. Biblical prayer is not us trying to talk God into giving us what we want. Rather, biblical prayer, biblical prayer is submitting our, our will to his. It's surrendering our will to God's will. It's praying as Jesus instructed us in Matthew 6.10, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He has this idea of that we, want, we are praying for God's will to be done today in our lives, now, just like it's being done in heaven already. The problem is the Bible also lists several other conditions for effective prayer. As I was studying this, I was thinking, okay, well, I just got to ask according to his will, whatever that means. We'll get there in a second. And then, and then there's these other <laughs> scriptures that I came across that, that add more conditions to prayer just to make us feel even more tentative to praying, okay? So hopefully we'll all really not like to pray at the end of this. I'm kidding, but that's going to kind of be what you feel. 
First one is there must be no unconfessed sin in our life. You want to have God's ears. You want to have listen to him. There cannot be any unconfessed sin in our lives. The psalmist writes, I ha- if I had cherished sin, iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Psalm 66, 18. Unconfessed sin creates a barrier in our relationship with God. I'm convinced that many people lack power in prayer because they're too prideful to get rid of the sin in their life. And again, they want God to save them over here, but he cannot be the Lord of this. I'm going to hold on to this. Even though this is of the world, this isn't of him, I want to hold on to this. But please save me, God, from these consequences that this may be causing. Other thing he says, we must, we must have motives that are correct and true. Uh, James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. That's where we know that we're supposed to ask. But then he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. And this is so hard because, because we know that God gives us passions. God gives us passions. He's the one that creates inside of us this passion for him and the things around us and to love people and and to do the things. But the problem is is that our passions become our idols. The very thing that he instilled in us becomes our idol, and we love that more than the God who gave it to us. So James says, look, you pray, but you don't get because you want it for yourself. And as, as hard as this is, if this sits too hard in you, you gotta you gotta go back to Lord and Savior. God is about making much of him and bringing glory to him, not me or you. And if you squirm when you hear that, you need to go back to Lord and Savior. Other thing he says that we can't have is, is that, we, or that we have to do is we, we must believe. We have to believe. Jesus said, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I want to be careful about this one because a lot of people will be like, I believe he can heal, and they'll do this positive thinking thing where it's like, I believe it can happen, and I just need to muster up more faith. But Jesus said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, there's a picture, our Revolution Revolution 22 is a picture of a friend of mine when we were in Israel, took a picture of the mustard seed, if you want to see how small that is. It is teeny, 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 teeny. And Jesus says, you have that faith, if it's in God's will, that mountain will jump into the sea. So it can't be I have to muster up enough strength and faith in believing that I will be healed or this marriage will be changed. I really think, I really think what he's saying here is, is, that, is that in truth, it's not the quantity of your faith that ultimately makes a difference. It's where you have placed that faith. See, he's not saying we need to believe more in that he can heal, although we do need to believe that. He's saying we need to be believe more in who Jesus is. We need to believe in him. See, our faith is in who he is, no matter what the outcome of the prayer. And that's what's hard. That's why some of us are so afraid to pray. Because if the outcome does not line up with what we want, oh, I don't know what faith to stand on. The last thing he says is, is we must pray in Jesus' name. This is something we see in several places. John 14, 6, 14, 13, 15, 16. All of those say the same thing. And, and all the apostles at some point, all the authors at some point have prayed in his name. And I think we've made this a tagline to just make us sound holy. And it's not meant to be some just tagline you throw at the end of prayer. To pray in Jesus' name is, is literally to, to, to pray in line with that person's character and desire. So when I pray in Jesus' name, I'm praying in, that I'm in line with his will, his desire and his character. I'm saying in Jesus' name. I've aligned myself with that by his spirit inside of me. So there's some more 
disclaimers on effective prayer. Now you should all feel pretty ready to kind of attack on how to figure out how to pray. I see all these conditions and I feel like, man, I don't know how to pray. I, I know that we're supposed to pray. There's no doubt Jesus taught us how to pray. The disciples prayed. Jesus prayed. We're called to prayer. There wouldn't be all these conditions for prayer if we weren't supposed to do it. It's our connection. But see, I think, I think seeing all these conditions, it makes us really tentative. However, don't miss this. The Bible isn't saying that, that prayer is some grocery list to do. Prayer is, is, is our request made and anchored in a relationship with Christ. See, this is all founded in Christ. This all came from the confidence of who he is. So because we know who he is, we can now approach him in confidence. This has nothing to do with saying the right thing. Praying the more powerful, like high five and yeah, chest bump. Good job, you prayed good, man. Like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we say. In fact, the Bible tells us that if we don't know what to say, the Spirit will intercede for us. We were made to pray. And it's a relationship with God. So what do you do with this? We've all missed the fine print of prayer, and we were like, oh, okay, I had unconfessed sin. Maybe that's why that didn't get answered, or I don't know. And it, he actually, next week, gives an application of this prayer in, in praying for our brothers. It will be another fun, confusing week as well, and we'll, we'll dig into that as well. But, but essentially, what do we do? What do we do with this? And I, I, I can't help to remind us to not forget what, Jesus, what John is saying here. That, the promise, that this promise of praying is a relationship founded on the fact that God is who he says he is. Prayer, this is all founded on him. And so the only thing I could do, the only thing I do to figure out, okay, now what, how am I supposed to pray then? How are you supposed to pray? And as I, as I looked and tried to find, I came across one verse. And it almost seems too simple. And, and be careful because it almost seems too simple. You may just displace it. But I think in this verse, although I don't fully understand it, Although I'll spend the rest of my life trying to understand it, it's in this verse I think we can understand truly what effective prayer looks like. And that's in Psalm 37.4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in him. Delight in him. Remember some of those passions you have in your heart? Have you seen me been praying, man, I want to be married and I know he gave that of me? Delight in him. Is God enough when nothing else is around? If everything was stripped away, would you still find your delight in Him? If your answer is yes, then He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in Him. See, maybe you and I just need to be more okay with God not leaning to our will, but living and answering prayers according to His will. This is hard because, like I said, this is a lot easier when it works for us. Like, it's fun to pray according to God. I, I want to be married and according to your will. And, oh, I'm married. Yay. It's fun when it's, God, I really want to be a parent. And, oh, yay, look, we're pregnant. This is really hard when you pray for something that by all standards and all counsel and everyone around you looks like the right thing to pray for, and it doesn't happen. And what you and I have to be careful of is that we allow that to shake the foundation of the faith that even allows us to come to him in, 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 in prayer. We allow the, the effective, maybe we just need to quote the, the theologian Garth Brooks, like, thank God for unanswered prayers because something's bigger than that. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't even listen to country, no. Um, but there's a, there's a couple, couple instances, and the Bible shows this over and over and over and over again. 
Actually, one of them is, is interesting. Jesus is, is hanging out with his, with his homeboys, the disciples, and one of them is Peter. And he's like, yo, Peter, just kind of casually, hey, the Satan has asked to come and sift you, like, come and destroy you, come and, and hurt you. And it's like, but I've prayed for you. It's like, cool, thanks, Jesus. Now, by accord, if I was saying, hey, I just found out that Satan was going to come sift me. I was going to be attacked. It was going to be horrible. I don't know what that means or how it's going to look, but it's going to be bad. What, would you pray for me? Yes. Yes, I'll pray for you. You know what I pray? God, please don't let him sift him. God, please free him of that. Please protect him. Save him. Don't let him go through it. You know what Jesus prays for him? You know what Jesus prays for him? He says, this is almost disheartening. <laughs> Jesus didn't pray for Peter to be able to resist the devil's attack or anything. He just prayed that he'd be restored, that Peter's faith would not ultimately fail, and that after he was restored, so when the sifting was done, that he might strengthen his brothers. I feel like Peter got the bat in, the short end of the stick on that one. It's like, what? Jesus, you could have prayed and it could have happened. I didn't have to get sifted. But he said, no, no, no. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. You'd be stronger for it and that the brothers around you would see that and bring glory to me. And that makes no sense to me. And it makes no sense to us. And there's a lot of times when we're praying for things like, no, God, I want to see Annabelle free from tra trafficking. Why won't you do it? When really, maybe the, the thing has nothing to do with Annabelle and everything to do with, am I willing to believe in him despite the fact that I don't see or understand sometimes why he does or doesn't act? Don't, don't take his silence as no action. Don't take your situation not changing as God not being present. Look at Abraham. Abraham prayed and prayed and prayed for a child. And then God comes and gives him a promise. You will have more descendants than there are stars. Yes, God, awesome. 25 years later, he held his boy in his arms. I can't help but think over maybe the first two years, yeah, God's cool. I can't help but think over the last 23 years, you're going, I thought he promised me this. What's going on? We, we cannot, there is plenty of scripture that talks about waiting on God's timing and that God's time is not our time. See, this idea that we know that we'll have whatever we have, asked in the court of his will, may not happen in his timing. And Moses was promised the promised land and he didn't get to go into it. His descendants did. But what I'm confident is you look at all these stories and some of them don't make sense. It doesn't seem right. Like Job was blessed beyond all belief after all of what he went through. His kids were gone. He got new kids. So apparently the old kids, like he's blessed beyond with the new kids. I don't know how that works. I feel like I'd miss my old kids some. But we just know that he's blessed beyond some, you know? Like, and, and I don't get it. And it doesn't make sense. Like why? And we see things like the, like the tornado and, and, and the horrible things that are going on in this world right now. And again, we've said this over and over again. It shouldn't shock us. It's a broken world. But just because there are consequences to the sins of everything around this world does not mean God is not present. Does not mean that God is not working things according to his will, his decree. See, this is why this shakes at the foundation of whether or not we truly believe that God is our Lord. Because if he's our Lord, then we know when it comes to things like this, I don't get it. I don't understand it, God. It seems like a really good thing to pray for, and I really, really want this. And I know that the only reason why I want it is because you gave me this desire anyways. Because I'm incapable of loving apart from you. But God's promises are, he hears us. 
He listens favorably to you. This is all resting on the confidence of Jesus. If we're founded in Christ, then we have confidence in him. Let's get really practical here for a second, and and then we're going to close. One of the things I felt like, okay, we can't just talk kind of big scale about prayer. I wanted to talk a little bit about, about prayer on an individual level. Um, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you have, if you have surrendered your life, if he is, is Lord and Savior, then prayer is not an option. Okay, and a lot of us will do this where we'll, we'll allow the enemy to lie to us that we're not good enough or we won't say it, say it well enough. Like if I, if I pray, what if I say the wrong thing? Again, the, the Spirit will intercede for us. But secondly, we're not praying for the people around us. Prayer is a relationship, anchored in a relationship with God. We are praying with him. That's why Jesus says, don't say big, eloquent words like the Pharisees out in the street corners. Go in private. Spend some time with me. Get to know me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this. First off, I want to give you a couple ideas of ways to pray. The first one, and this seems really simple, but is almost probably the most difficult one for all of us. Pray the scriptures. Now, I should preface that with, that means you actually have to read the scriptures. I just, I don't know, like, if you're not opening this, praying the scriptures is going to be really hard because you'll pray scriptures way out of context. Or you'll, you'll use the half of the verse you like. Like, I get what I want and forget the according to his will. Pray the scriptures. Read something. I don't get that. God, reveal the truth to me. God, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I want that in my life. Let me have that. Give me that. Show me how to be that. Spend time in the scriptures and pray it. And here's the other one. This is, this is a big one. When you tell someone you're going to pray for them, pray for them. Come on, who's done that? I'll pray for you. And then you find out later, oh, I totally forgot to pray for that person. Am I the only one? Come on, you're kidding me. Seriously, we, th- this is the point. Pray for people. If you say you're going to pray for them, pray for them. And here, a mentor told me this one time, and it was brilliant. He said, anytime you think of someone, you're driving with a sign, you see him drive by, you see a car that reminds you, whatever it is, and that person comes to mind, pray for them. Because the Spirit doesn't do things on accident. Don't deny the fact that God's Spirit lives inside of you or Him. And He is bringing someone to your heart. And so I've made it a habit, if I think of them, I need to pray for them. And then maybe I'll, I'll even, next time I'll tell them, hey, I've been praying for them, but can I pray for you more specifically? Because for some reason, God has me praying for you. And it's not so that I can look holy or spiritual to someone else. It has nothing to do with that. It's that he calls us to do this. So pray for people. Pray for, for the injustice that's happening. Pray for the Philippines. Pray for, for people that you see that are hurting. Instead of when you see someone sinning, we'll talk about this next week, instead of, oh, it stinks to be them. Woo. Start talking about them. Tell other people to pray about them so you can gossip through it. No, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for the people you encounter on a daily basis. And look, some of you are like, I don't even know what to pray for them. Pray that God would reveal himself to them in a unique way that day. Pray that, pray that, that God would show you a way to love them and you would act on it. But we make it so difficult. And yes, there, is, there are these conditions. You need to confess sin and we need to, we need to believe and we need to do it in Jesus' name. And those are all true. But the point is, is he still wants us to pray because if this is about a relationship with him, then we need to pray. Pray for, pray for his church, not just hear his church in general. Pray that God, God would allow each church to reach out to others. Pray he would make us a community of people that truly love him and love others. 
We know he wants us to be growing in faith and discipleship. We know he has promised to supply all our needs, so let's, let's pray. And then the last one is the biggest one, and this is so hard because it's uncomfortable. Really, really uncomfortable. It's that silence. Prayer doesn't work if you're never spending any time listening. If you're just blah, 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 and you never take a breath and give, chance, give God a chance to speak to you, you're just talking at someone. Listen. God still speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the spirit inside of us. He speaks to us through other people. Listen. Listen. Prayer is a relationship. We should delight in prayer because it's time spent with the Father who loves us so much. We should delight in prayer because it's something that is a privilege for those who are in Christ. We should delight in prayer because it gives us a chance to get to know the one who created us, the one whom we are to bring all glory to. Our goal in prayer is not to get what we want, but to become what he wants us to become. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing. And I, I, I joked with, about Ava and a little story about her at the beginning, but I think the best picture I have is, is again, dads in earth. And, and we know that God is, is a better father than any of us will ever be, but he continually gives us that picture. And I, I picture what does it mean for me to delight in the ways of the Lord and he'll give me the desires of my heart. I picture Ava coming to me and asking to play. She's like, Dad, there are three options. Can I play outside in the street? Can I play in the front yard? Or can I play in the backyard? And it's, no, you can't play in the street. No, I, I prefer you to be in the backyard. It's safer there. And as she gets to know me more, and as I love her more and she loves me more, she knows that next time when she comes, it's not, hey, can I play out in the street? That's not even an option anymore. To her, it's, hey, Dad, I'm going to go outside in the back and play. Is that okay? And I picture this idea is as you and I get to know our Father more, as we spend more time in His Word, as we spend more time on our hands and knees before Him, humbly seeking His presence, we begin to have our hearts aligned more and more and more and more to His and our ask becomes the very ask that he wants. And when we see, we don't see an answer, we don't run, say our, our, our faith is, is falling, we don't have any, you know, we're not founded in anything because our foundation is not in answered prayers, our foundation is in Christ. Our foundation is in him. The options change as we spend time in relationship with him. Our, becomes, our prayers become more and more like his will. What about you? Can you sit can you sit in the confidence that God's will is best for you? Can you spend the time getting to know a God so well that you begin praying his will for yours and those around you? Father, I pray right now for your will. God, it's something that honestly all of us struggle at times to even want your will, God. We're so selfish and so enamored with what's going on in our own little world that we forget to think that we are here for a purpose. We are designed for your glory. We are to point our glory to you, God. I pray for each person in this room that they would be stuck with you this week at some point where they couldn't help but spend time communicating to you and where they wouldn't let just time wasters get in the way, where they would spend time communicating. God, and as they communicate to you, would you speak to them? Would you show them your plans and your will? Would you, would you reveal to them what you're doing? Just some small detail, God. 
God, I pray that we would actually pray with the confidence knowing that you are listening favorably to us. As I speak to you right now, God, you are hearing us. You know the hearts, the cries of each heart in this room, God. I pray right now that you would, you would reveal yourself in those cries. God, I pray that, that you would allow us to bring so much glory to you, God, that it'd be just foolish for us to get in the way. God, I pray that we would never, ever lose sight of the fact that you are good and constant and present no matter what circumstances are going on. God, as we pray this week, I pray that it would be um, one of those conversations with you like you just caught up with someone you hadn't seen in a long time and it was just rich. Where they just, they, just, they just find the joy in the time spent with you, God. Would we be people marked by your prayer? Would we be a people that are so confident in time and prayer with you that, that we couldn't do a single thing without it? And God, for those prayers right now that seem to be unanswered, God, would you remind us that you are still good, that you are still present, that you are still in control, God. We love you, God, and it's in the, the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.